Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Raptors. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Raptors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey there, and welcome to Episode 5 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, October 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com and TSN Radio in Toronto. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, and you can now follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnRaptors. We're also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, and be sure to subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast channel for shows about currently 29 of 30 NBA teams. Uh, I believe the Wizard Show is being added very soon before the season begins. Uh, you can also listen to the Locked On Fantasy Show and also uh, Locked On NBA with David Locke. A whole lot going on there. We're officially a week away from the season starting, uh, and things are about to get very serious on the Lockdown Network. On today's show, we're going to talk mostly power forwards. Pretty much, Patrick Patterson is going to be the focus of conversation today. Uh, it was his comments today at practice uh, that sort of generated the most stir, uh, as you probably know, or maybe you don't know. Patrick Patterson is going into a contract here. Uh, he's currently paid uh, just over $6 million a year. A uh, very reasonable contract for a guy of Patrick Patterson's skill and versatility and shooting. Uh, and he is going to get paid as the, as the salary cap continues to climb into next uh, next summer. Uh, he's going to be one of the benefactors of that. Uh, his skill set is uh, is very appealing to a lot of teams. He's a four who can switch on to smaller guys. You know, there were times where he guarded LeBron James last year on switches in the playoffs, for example. Uh, he's a guy who, he's not a great rebounder, but he will, you know, he's a, he's a fantastic defender. What he, at least he's become a fantastic defender, uh, especially last season. Uh, a very steady three-point shooter. Uh, if you look at a full season sample, he sort of, you know, you know fluctuates between good and bad from month to month. But over the course of a whole season, he's going to give you above average three-point shooting, especially for a four. Uh, he's a very good player uh, for what he does. He's a, he's a very solid piece of this Raptors bench and you know he's been sort of part of the Raptors core ever since that trade with the with the Sacramento Kings that sent Rudy Gay out and brought in a bunch of those bit parts so Patterson talked today uh, at practice uh, about his sort of his mindset going into his contract season uh, this is from our pal Blake Murphy who was on the show yesterday please check that show out where we talked about some camp battles and other things going on right now uh, still relevant still newsworthy so uh, please check that out uh, but here's this here's the tweet from Blake Patrick Patterson concedes that, quote, everybody wants to get paid, unquote. He's added some elements to his offensive game ahead of contract year. Um, there was sort of a weird reaction to, to uh, on Twitter today to Patterson, you know, sort of saying that he wants to get paid. I don't really see a problem with it. That's kind of obvious. Uh, I think, you know, Kyle Lowry didn't really say, you know, in so many words that he wants to get paid, quote unquote, but... He did say that he's going to opt out of his contract at the, at the end of the year, and you have to understand that's because there's going to be you know a huge boom in the cap, and he's a criminally underpaid player. And Patterson, for his skill set at six million bucks a year, is very underpaid as well. So it's not a surprise that he's hoping to get paid. I would hope that he's hoping to get paid, uh, and if it means that he's going to you know add things to his game this season to uh, you know make that happen, that's a good thing for the Raptors at least in the short term. The question of whether to re-sign Patterson in the offseason is an interesting one because 
Again, he has been a part of this core for a long time now. But there's always been this sense that maybe the Raptors could do better at the four. And it's weird because Patterson, I think for the last year or two, has been the best four on the team. He hasn't been able to start. I mean, you know, he wasn't really ever going to start ahead of Amir Johnson before Amir left. Although you could argue that he was a more effective player by the time Amir's uh, tenure with the Raptors wound down just because of, you know, Amir's breaking down ankles um, and the injury problems he had. Last season, there's no argument that Patterson was a more effective player than Luis Scola. Patterson was among the lead leaders overall in total plus minus. Uh, he figured into a lot of the Raptors' closing lineups, uh, and you know he, he figured into the bench unit that was a plus 16.7, I believe, over the course of the full season in terms of net rating. He was a very effective player who was a part of a lot of the things that the Raptors did well last season. Um, and he was definitely the best power forward on the team. That's probably the case again this season. You can make an argue, argument for Jared Sullinger uh, just as a rebounder, maybe a guy with a bit more offensive touch around the basket. But Patterson brings that three-point shooting that is so crucial, especially for a team that doesn't have a ton of it, especially from their bigs. And uh, I think you're going to see Patterson be the most effective power forward on the Raptors again this season. And if he were to be put in a starting lineup with Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Damari Carroll, Patterson, and Jonas Valanciunas... That lineup didn't get much run last year, but that would be, I think, you know, just geometry-wise, the way things set up on the floor, the way the skill sets mesh, I think it would end up being sort of a buzzsaw for the Raptors, uh, especially if they were to use it as a closing lineup as well. I think we'll see that a lot this year, barring health concerns for Carroll and the rest of the guys in that lineup. Uh, I think that's going to be a go-to lineup for the Raptors. You know, they might go small sometimes at the start of last season. They did use Carroll as a four, and Patterson didn't really figure into those lineups. Uh, It was, you know... Lowry, DeRozan, Corey Joseph at the two uh, with Carroll and Valanciunas. That was a closing line that the Raptors used a lot to start the season last year. Uh, after Carroll went down, Patterson figured into those those lineups a lot more. I uh, wouldn't be shocked to see you know those two to sort of be the go-to lineups for the Raptors to close games, uh, depending on matchups. Patterson is excellent at what he does, um, but yeah, there are some limitations there. He's not a great offensive player in terms of you know creating for himself. He has gotten a little bit more adventurous in terms of trying to create things for himself. Um, you know, attacking closeouts, he did that a lot last year, just not to very great effect. He sort of would always just kind of blow by defenders and then not really have a plan. Uh, I sort of compared it to in the 2015 finals uh, between the Warriors and Cavs, where, you know, team, the Cavs were just sort of leaving Draymond Green to be that guy to create the four on three by himself. It's not Patterson doesn't get these opportunities in the same way as Green did, but it's it just sort of the example of you know Green barreling towards the basket without a real plan in the first couple games of that series. That's very much like what Patterson is uh, when he gets the ball in space trying to attack the rim. He's not a fantastic passer. He's not a horrible passer, but it's just that it's just not really his skill set. He's best used as a spot up threat. Who you know when he's on. Is going to hit a lot of his threes. There was a time over the course of the uh, the 2014-15 season, in the first half of the season, he shot well over 40%. I think he was pushing 45% until the new year. After that, he really tailed off, was around 31-32, and leveled up to his career average of about you know, 36-ish percent, just above 36. Uh, his career actually is 36.7, which you know, you'll still take for a four, absolutely. So when Patterson is sticking in his role and doing those things well, he's he's super, super useful for the Raptors. Um, and that's sort of where the improvement can come, I suppose. If Patterson is hoping for improvement, 
it's probably going to come in terms of you know those times where he's asked to create with the ball in his hands a little bit more. Uh, other than that, I don't really see a lot of opportunities within the Raptors' offense where that's even going to happen for him. Uh, you know, he's not a guy who runs pick and roll. It's not like they run four or five pick and rolls with Patrick Patterson as the main ball handler. Uh, he doesn't really handle the ball at all. He doesn't drive. He doesn't really come off screens. He's he's kind of one-dimensional offensively, and that's totally fine for what the Raptors need. The Raptors need that safety valve that Patterson can be. You saw how effective, or I guess sort of effective, Louis Scola was last year, just as a guy who would catch and shoot open threes. He hit about 40%. Teams didn't totally respect it, but that was an important part of the Raptors' offense because it is so drive-and-kick dependent, and when things you know sort of clutter up for DeRozan and Lowry at the rim, the guy in the corner who can hit the three is huge, and Patterson has been that reliable guy for the last couple of years now. Um, I'm not sure if the Raptors will end up re-signing him. I think it's probably going to be a little bit too far to their price range, uh, especially considering they have to re-sign Kyle Lowry as well. Uh, and that's going to be to you know prepare for it. It's going to be a massive deal. It's going to be you know north of thirty million dollars a year, probably for five years. It's going to be a gigantic contract for Kyle Lowry. But that's the kind of deal you make for your franchise star. And Patterson may end up being sort of a uh, a casualty of that uh, just because, you know, it's going to, you know, he's probably going to, I mean, Bismack Biombo, for example, commanded $17 million a year this season. Yes, he came off a really effective playoff run where he, uh, he kind of dazzled and, you know, played a bit above his head, I think. Patterson is not that flashy. He's probably not going to have that kind of run in the playoffs where he really turns heads and you know adds money to his uh, to his bankroll just you know by a few games in the playoffs. But his base skill set is going to command probably fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year um, from from a team, and you know it's a very in demand skill set that a lot of teams are probably going to get into a bidding war over uh, because he is such a uh, a versatile player, uh, especially on defense, as I mentioned. So. If the Raptors don't end up with Patterson, they you know are stuck with the same problem they've had for a couple of years, where there's a hole at the four. Um, and this sort of leads me today to my, uh, my 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 one Twitter question that came in, sort of two Twitter questions, and it sort of relates to this and the idea of Patterson's uncertainty with the team going forward. This one comes from friend of the show William Liu. Uh, if you don't know Will, read his stuff at the Score. Uh, check out his Raptors Republic podcast. He does you know re- reaction podcasts uh, after every game. And he's on the Raptors Weekly and Raptors Weekly Extra Podcasts. He is a podcast king at this point. So Will asks, based on Jackie McMullen of ESPN's report today that came out uh, that said LaMarcus Aldridge may not be long for the Spurs and that there might be some tension there, uh, Will asks, should the Raptors try to make a move on LaMarcus Aldridge uh, if that report is in fact true? I, I mean, it's hard to question the validity of a Jackie McMullen report. She's one of the best reporters out there. Um, but it doesn't seem like something that the Spurs would really... It doesn't seem like a Spursy story. There doesn't really seem to be, you know, dissent in the ranks within the Spurs very often, so I'd be surprised to see if this is actually, you know, fully true. Um, and I'm not sure Aldridge is a great fit for the Raptors. Yes, the Raptors almost almost signed him a couple years ago, or at least got a meeting with him. I'm not sure it was close that they almost signed him, uh, but they did get a meeting with him when he was a free agent, uh, and that was kind of a big boon for the sort of the image of the Raptors, just to get a meeting with a guy like that who was probably the marquee free agent on the market that year. Um... I don't really think he's a great fit just because I'm not sure he's a, you know, he's a he's an okay defender. He's not a fantastic defender by any means. Uh, and I'm not sure how the fit next to 
uh, Jonas Valanciunas would look defensively, especially against teams that you know have more mobile fours or like to go small. I'm not sure the Raptors could really keep up with a lot of teams with those guys in the front court. I think Aldridge would best be you know best be utilized as a center. Um, who knows? Maybe Valanciunas is part of an outgoing deal for Aldridge. I don't really think that would happen just because of the value of Valanciunas's contract right now um, and the age that Valanciunas is at. I don't see the Raptors moving in that direction to get older. Uh, so, I mean, you look at what the Raptors have had at power forward the last few years, and it's easy to say, yeah, Aldridge is such an upgrade, um, but for the money and, the ter- and you know, he's only got one year after this one uh, remaining on his deal, but for the money it's going to cost and the cap space and the lack of flexibility you're going to have uh, and sort of the casualties that it's going to cost up and down the roster, you know, you're probably going to end up having to deal Patterson back to the Spurs uh, as part of the... Uh, you know, the, the salary matching process, as well as, you know, probably Terrence Ross, maybe Norm Powell. I don't think the Spurs are really in a position where they need to just sort of offload Aldridge. Uh, if anything, if there's a trade going to happen there, it's probably going to require a pretty substantial return. Um, so I'm not sure an in-season move for Marcus Aldridge is the right move for the Raptors. Um, Justin Rowan of uh, FearTheSword.com, he followed up with to Will's question with, uh, best case scenario is the Atlanta experiment goes to crap. And they shop Millsap, right? I mean, Millsap has been the dream, I think, for Raptors fans uh, for the last couple years now, hoping that the Atlanta Hawks would hopefully blow things up and look to trade Paul Millsap. Um, he is the perfect fit. You know, I mentioned the sort of issues in terms of fit that Aldridge and Valanciunas might have. Millsap wouldn't have that. He was, in, he was third in defensive player of the year voting last year. Uh, he can guard smaller guys. He is mobile. He's, he's such a good player. He does have a player option after this season, so he'd probably be in the same boat as Kyle Lowry. Having his bird rights would be really nice if, you know, that's what the hope is to try to, you know, re-sign Lowry and Millsap to lock yourself into that core going forward. Again, the, the financial sort of wriggling would be tough. There would have to be some casualties, you'd think, uh, just to have three three really high-priced guys like DeRose and Lowry and Millsap. Millsap and Lowry both being on, oh, actually all three of them being on new NBA deals uh, you know, with the with the you know the increased cap spike that came over the, this summer, um, you know, Millsap would be perfect. It might be enough to 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 put the Raptors in the conversation to actually give the Cavs a challenge in the Eastern Conference. Um, I'm not sure it'd be quite enough to win a series against the Cavs, just because LeBron is LeBron, and you know he is so impossible to stop, and he has this reign over the Eastern Conference that is unmatched. Um, but Millsap is the guy for me that if the Raptors are really looking to make a huge move this season, uh, you know, to fill in and try to, you know, plan for that power board position long past, uh, when Patrick Patterson probably leaves at the end of the season, uh, you know, Millsap's that guy and the Raptors, I I wouldn't hate to see them go in on a deal like that, uh, to try to make that happen. Uh, Millsap is a guy who might be worth the the pretty penny he's going to cost if the, if the Hawks decide to blow it up, but to keep in mind also he is 31, and having you know Millsap at 31, Lowry going to be 31 next year, that's a uh, that's a precarious game to play if you're giving both of those guys uh, hypothetical you know five year deals. Again, this is probably not going to happen anyway. These trades, you know, these rumors rarely ever come to fruition. That's just sort of how these things go. Um, so let's maybe just focus for now on Patrick Patterson and the improvements that he may or may not make with the Raptors. Again, if he shows a bunch of improvement on the offensive end, that is huge. Um, and if he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder and play with the motivation to get a big contract, that's great for the Raptors in the short term. That's not a bad thing whatsoever. So um, let's leave that there for now. 
Uh, I'm sure Patrick Patterson and Kyle Lowry and, you know, all the contract stuff and, you know, these, these trade rumors will be a big thing to talk about heading into the season. We're only eight days away, guys. It's almost here. We almost have actual games to talk about. The Raptors do play Detroit on Wednesday uh, in their third last preseason game. How are there still three more of these things left? I don't know. Uh, but tomorrow we will preview that. Later in the week on, uh, I believe, Thursday, it might be Friday, uh, we're going to do a sort of a preview of the Raptors and Celtics this season and how they're going to stack up with each other uh, with Michael Pina, who is the Boston Celtics reporter uh, for the Bleacher Report. Uh, Michael's a really smart basketball guy, and I'm really excited to talk to him about how the Raptors and Celtics are going to stack up because that is going to be you know, one of the most entertaining sort of in-season battles, I think, this year. You know, in the West, you're going to have, near the top, you're going to have the Spurs and Clippers uh, sort of battling for the scraps behind the Warriors. In the East, it's Celtics-Raptors for number two, and that's, you know, one of the more compelling, aside from the eight-seed races, which I don't really know why we put so much stock into eight-seed races anyway, because it's usually just a, you know, a battle to get slaughtered in a first-round series by a one-seed anyway. Um, but the Raptors-Celtics thing, you know, that could be real, you know, that could have real ramifications for a conference final series against the Cavs. Um, you know, the Raptors and Celtics are probably going to be battling for home court advantage in a second round series. Uh, it's weird to say that this, this you know, this far out, but that seems like the most likely outcome for what's going to happen with the, with the Eastern Conference this season. Uh, Raptors and Celtics in the second round is a series that I think a lot of people are anticipating and looking forward to. And uh, we're going to get a bit of a, a primer on that for uh, with, with Michael Pina on Thursday. Um, so once again, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Raptors. You can follow me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow uh, the show on Twitter at Locked on Raptors. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast on the Locked on Raptors, sorry, the Locked on NBA channel. You know, any feedback is always welcome. You can email LockedOnRaptors at gmail.com with any thoughts, questions, concerns. Uh, if you ask a question, it will certainly be included on a future podcast. I can guarantee you that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow on Wednesday, October 19th with episode 6 of Locked on Raptors. Thank you.